This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as a part of the 2020 Virtual Leadership Project. For more information on VLP and Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. I um, am engaged to Eric, and he's actually on the video. Shout out. He doesn't go to college, and he's not on staff, but he's here, and he's watching, which is exciting. Um, and this is a picture of me and Eric. Um, we don't necessarily have family, but we love ice cream, or at least I love ice cream. I'm obsessed. He takes me out for ice cream every Thursday night for date night, which is really, really fun. Um, but another thing I love about um, dating Eric and getting to know each other is I love hearing family stories, and I love hearing um, how growing up was like for him. And I remember him telling me this story. I think it was about his uncle, which I could fact check him, but um, who is allergic to yams. And one Thanksgiving, he loved yams so much, and he wasn't willing to give it up that he snuck a bite of yams and had a huge allergic reaction to the yams. And it's kind of like a silly and like a funny thing to think about. Like he would want to go through the pain of going to the ER because of his allergic reaction because he loved yams so much. Um, but I think um, it kind of highlights this idea of sacrifice and sacrifices is giving up something for the sake of something else. And so I think just to highlight that this is what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about sacrifice and specifically Jesus as our sacrificial lamb. Um, but just to recap where we've been the last couple of theme nights, um, first, the first week read has talked about our theme, which is fulfilled. And so we're unpacking how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of scripture. And last week, our guest speaker, Jeremiah, talked about um, racial reconciliation and the current circumstances in our city. And we really loved, I loved hearing from Jeremiah. He's such a wise man. And, um, and so this week, we're going to be looking at Jesus as our sacrificial lamb. And we're going to unpack this theme about Jesus is the fulfillment of the sacrificial lamb for us. So if you're a type A person, you want to know where we're going for the night, um, we're going to look at three points. The first one is we're going to look at the problem. The second one, we're going to look at the solution. And then the third, thirdly, we're going to look at the response. And so the problem, solution, and our response. Um, and so the main point that I would love to point out for you guys um, is Jesus is the better sacrifice for our sins. So that's the main point I'm going to be fleshing out, that Jesus is the better sacrifice for our sins. But before I dive in, I want to share a little story. I think it was actually last week that I got a flat tire on my car. I've never actually gotten a flat tire before. Ever. But I, I know in my head, like the steps you need to take, you need to jack up the tire, you need to have all the right tools, you need to take off the tire, put on the new tire. But it was actually a lot more difficult than I thought, even knowing the steps, it was a lot harder for me to actually change the tire than just knowing how to do it in your head. And I think sometimes that's what happens when we come to thinking about Jesus as our sacrificial lamb. We know all the right answers. We know all the stories, what should be talked about, what should be said. But sometimes it doesn't land in our hearts. It's disconnected from our head to our heart. And so we actually come to experience Jesus. There's, there's that disconnect. And so tonight I'm really praying that all of us would not just know the right answers, but experience Jesus in a tangible way as our sacrificial lamb. So before I get started, I would love to pray for us and um, we can dive in. <clears throat> so Father, um, we just invite you into this space tonight, wherever we are, even though we're virtual, <laughs> you're everywhere and you're present everywhere. And so I pray that you um, would just 
encourage our hearts that your spirit would be moving. For any of us who feels like the gospel of Jesus and his sacrifice is so familiar that it leaves us unimpacted, would you, would you change us? Would you help us to see you in a new way? And for those of us who don't know you, who aren't trusting in you, Lord, would you just give us hearts to, to receive that and, and to um, understand in a new way um, what you have done for us on the cross? And so, um, Lord, I just pray over this time. I pray for any nerves for me and just help me to speak um, clearly what you have um, to give um, to us tonight. And so um, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So sweet. Um, so the first point that we're going to go through is the problem. And so the problem I'm going to pose is that we are the problem. And we're going to look a little bit at the context of sacrifice in the Old Testament. And actually, the first mention of sacrifice is in the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden, man was walking with God, Adam and Eve, in the garden, and everything was perfect bliss. And then comes in um, the serpent who tries to deceive Adam and Eve. And this is where we pick up in our passage in Genesis 3, 6 through 8. So it reads, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So this is kind of setting up the scene of the sacrifice. It hasn't happened yet, but they were, it's clear that Adam and Eve had sinned. They were deceived by the serpent, and they wanted to be like God, so they ate the fruit they took of it, which God told them not to do. And then they realized they were naked. So they were naked the whole time, which is kind of a weird thing to think about. But that's what it was like in the Garden of Eden. We were without sin, so we had no shame. And so nakedness was just a normal thing. But then when they ate of the fruit, they realized they were naked and they had shame. And so they took these little fig leaves and tried to cover themselves, which is also just kind of a funny picture. I don't think it really worked very well. And it kind of reminds me when I was little and I was a little kid and I was trying to get away with something from my dad or something. And I would try to be stealing a cookie from a cookie jar and I would try to hide under the covers. But it's clear that there's this like massive lump <laughs> in the covers and you're not, you're clearly seen by your dad. But I was so convinced that I wasn't seen. And this is kind of a similar picture to Adam and Eve trying to cover themselves with these fig leaves that wasn't really working. Um, because they were they were filled with shame. And this is when enters in the first sacrifice. In verse 21, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So it doesn't specifically use the word sacrifice, but it's talking about the garments of skin were from an animal. And so God sacrificed the first animal and took the garments of the skin of the animal and clothed Adam and Eve with it, literally to cover their skin and literally to cover their shame and their sin. And so here's enters the problem. Adam and Eve sinned against God. And because of that, the problem is that we too are born in sin in this world and we have sinned against God. And we are cast out of the garden. We are cast out of God's presence. And we need forgiveness. We need cleansing. We can't be in God's presence with sin. And so the problem is that we are the problem. We have sin. I am the problem. Ugh, I even confess, um, leading up to this talk, I was super nervous and anxious and fearful. And that fear was tied to my performance and how I would be seen by other people. And that's one of my biggest struggles is people pleasing. I want to appear a certain way. I want to look like I have it all together, but I don't. And that's the reality. And I want to be significant. And so we all have our problems, whether that's 
envy or jealousy, gossip, rage, lust, anger, bitterness, hate, whatever it is, we all have sin that has separated us from God. And it was a huge problem, a huge problem that needed fixing. And here's where the theme of sacrifice continues then in the Old Testament. God instituted animal sacrifices as the cleansing for our sin. So in the Old Testament, they would give a lamb or an animal to a priest, and the priest would then offer the lamb as a sin offering for the cleansing of their sin. It's kind of hard for us to grasp that concept because you don't really see sacrifices being made today. Um, but this is what they did, or at least hope, I hope no one's like sacrificing their pets or anything like that. Was sad, but um, so not only um, did they need to offer a lamb or a goat or something like that, but the lamb and the goat also needed to be perfect, without blemish, without spot. And so I've always asked the question, like, why specifically is it a lamb usually referred to as a sin offering, and um, why not like something more gross, like a weirder animal, like a boar or a snake? I don't know, something like lambs are cute, you know. But then you think of the song, Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow. And so I think why the significance of lambs is lambs are usually thought to be pure and innocent and white. And that's a huge significance when it comes to the lambs covering our sin and being an offering for our sin, because they're thought to be pure and innocent. And our sin is dirty and it, it's messy. And we need something that's innocent and pure to be sacrificed for us. But here's the plot twist. Um, here's another problem. The sacrifices were not enough. So another problem is the animal sacrifices were not enough. And you're like, what the heck? Why? Why is that? Um, well, we can look in Hebrews 10, verse 1 and verse 4, and that reads, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Then it skips to verse four, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. What? It's like, okay, well then what's the point of all these sacrifices if it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins? And I think the sacrifices were meant to be a temporary solution and to remind us of our sins. Actually in verse three, the verse right before Hebrews, it talks about in these sacrifices, there was reminder of sins every year. So the animal sacrifices weren't pretty. They're really gross, blood everywhere, probably smelts like burning flesh. And I, I grew up on a farm, and so my dad, whenever the pigs would die, they had this dead shed, and they would put all the dead pigs in the shed. And it just smelled really bad every time you even passed by it. Within like 50 feet, you could smell the stench of the dead, rotting pig flesh. <laughs> really gross. And, and that's the picture of animal sacrifices were messy. It was gross. And we needed to be a reminder that our sin is severe, and it separated us from God, and it was a big problem. And so... I'm sure that all of us kind of have that feeling in us, at least I do, of not being enough. And I'm sure um, whether that's we're not enough um, for grades or um, getting good grades in school, whether we're not enough for our parents in their relationship with them or for that guy and girl that we were in a relationship with or in our friendships. Um, specifically for me, again, I can feel that feeling of, oh, I'm just not enough for other people or not enough for my family. And that leads to trying harder, to doing more, to accomplishing more, and running after other things to satisfy. And it leaves us feeling hopeless and weightless. 
And I just wonder if that's kind of what the people in the Old Testament felt like. Like we're offering these sacrifices, but is it really doing anything? Like it's exhausting to bring these animals every day to the priest to offer sacrifices for my sins. And yeah, I, I wonder if they must have felt like, is it doing anything? Is it helping? And it kind of reminds me of someone who like tries to fix duct tape with something temporarily. Like it's like there's a huge leak in your pool or something and you grab the duct tape because you don't really want to get it fixed and you just temporarily put it over the hole so it doesn't leak anymore. And it can kind of do the trick for a while, but clearly it's not the best way to fix the pool. And I wonder if that's what was happening with these sacrifices, that it was a good temporary solution, but it wasn't the best way. It was to foreshadow that there's a better way. There's something more to come. And here enters the solution, and here enters Jesus. So the solution is that Jesus is the better sacrificial lamb. Jesus is the better sacrificial lamb. So in enters Jesus, God provided something better. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God had planned, that the blood of lambs and bulls and goats could never take away sins. But Jesus can, and he did. And he did it for the world. John 1.29 writes, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He fulfilled this when he offered up himself and his body on the cross, on a tree, as our sacrifice. And what was told about him in Isaiah 53, that he would suffer, he was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. He was slaughtered for us. And I'll share another verse with you guys that points to this. In Hebrews 7, 26 through 28, it reads, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. So it's really clear. We see in the Old Testament leading up to this point that the high priest, we need to offer up sins for the people, but also for his own sins because he was a sinner. He wasn't perfect, but not so with Jesus. Jesus is the better sacrifice. who didn't need to offer up a sacrifice for his own sin because he was a son of God. He was perfect without blemish and he never sinned. What a better high priest, a better sacrifice. And Christ also offers up himself for a single sacrifice for sins. He did it once for all. He didn't have to go daily to continue to do it because he did it once for all. Hebrews 9.12 says he also has secured eternal redemption. That means it's for forever, for all of life, eternity, um, which is a really amazing reality. And not only are we cleansed outwardly of our sin, but he also came to make us a whole new person, to give us a new heart. And, and that's really, and restore us to relationship with God, which is really, really incredible. So we can see, and it's clear that from these verses, um, Jesus' sacrifice was better than all the other sacrifices. But is it clear? Is it clear to you? Is it clear to me that Jesus is truly better? I think sometimes our sin distorts our view and seeing Jesus as better. And sometimes we trust in insufficient sacrifices. It's kind of like we're trusting in the sacrifices of the Old Testament. So we feel like we need to do all these things instead of only trusting in Jesus' sacrifice. We get so comfortable with ourselves, and sometimes we aren't even aware of how sinful we are or how blinded we are to our weakness. I think it's a little similar to a child. You know when you're a child and you have that like comfort teddy bear, that comfort blanket at a comfort blanket that you carry around with you everywhere, but it has a ton of holes in it. It's really dirty and it smells bad, but it, it brings you comfort because it has a similar smell and a familiarity to it. 
And even if the child is offered a better new, brand new teddy bear that's clean, that's fluffier, that's better, there's something about that ratted teddy bear that we keep going back to that brings us comfort. And the child doesn't want to part from it, you know? And sometimes it is so with our sin. We become so accustomed, so comfortable, so attached, and so blinded to our sin that with something so much better is offered to us, like freedom, like forgiveness, that Jesus offers to us freely from himself, it's like we, we're content with keeping our little ratted teddy bear. We're content in staying in this place in our sin. But Jesus' sacrifice is offering us something way better than anything in this life could offer us. And to kind of illustrate this a little further and hit it home, um, um, I hope by now most people have seen the movie Inside Out. It's this movie that's about um, emotions in our head. And I'm going to show a little clip from this video, or this movie, little video. Um, <laughs> there's two characters, one's Joy and one's Bing Bong. And the scene that we'll be watching, they get stuck at the bottom of this pit and they can't get out of this pit. And if they don't get out, then they're going to be forgotten forever. And so this is where this scene picks up. Wow, <laughs> that clip gets me like every time. Um, but I think what this is hoping and trying to illustrate is Jesus in the scene is Bing Bong, who sacrifices and gave himself up so that we could go free. Similar, if Joy tried to do it on her own, they kept trying, but they kept falling. They kept not being able to reach and make the mark. And in the same way, um, we try to do it on our own sometimes. We try to make the mark. We try to reach it, but it isn't enough. And Jesus has come to give us freedom, to give us life, to give us forgiveness. And only he can die for us. Only he can be that greater sacrifice. We couldn't do it. Um, and that is good news. And, and so thirdly, what then is our response to this good news? If this is the good news that Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. And so I would say the third point, our response is to receive with a heart of worship, to receive with a heart of worship. So in response to Jesus' sacrifice, we are called and invited to receive the sacrifice of Jesus with hearts that worship. Another word for worship you could use is delight or rejoice or be thankful in. And so I'm going to flesh out some reasons why, like why do we receive the sacrifice of Jesus with hearts that worship or are thankful? And the first way I would say is there is no other way to be saved. The first reason is there's no other way to be saved. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not through other religions who have gods that they serve. It is not through our good works. It is not through being raised in a Christian home, attending a Christian school, going to church. Jesus is the way that God has planned and purpose for life to be found. Only in him and only through him. We can't save ourselves. We, we just can't. And I have a feeling that some of us want to. Some of us, to the core of us, want to save ourselves. Or we want to save others and get the glory. And for me, again, I will confess this is a struggle that I have. In life, I want to work hard. I want to appear like I got it figured out. But I don't. And I'm just fooling people. I'm fooling myself. And um, if the whole world was dependent on me or you or anyone else other than Jesus, it would be a mess. Only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's one great reason to worship and receive the gospel of what Jesus has done. And I would say the second way then is because God loves us. The second reason that we should receive and worship is because of God's love for us. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were still in our sin, Christ chose to die for us sinners. And I hope many of us have at least heard of the five love languages. If not, it's basically this test that you take to see how you most like to receive love. And being in a relationship with Eric, um, I've had to learn what mine are because I didn't really know. Turns out I'm a big acts of service person. This basically means I just like when people do things for me. Um, And actually pretty low on my list is words of affirmation, which means you like to receive kind of like affirmation from people. Um, but, um, so Eric knew this about me and, um, I would always tell him that my words, words kind of fall flat unless they're backed up by action. So when he was going to propose for me, he had this nice thing that he said where he was like, you know, you've always told me that words, you know, fall flat unless they're backed up by action. So then he said, I love you. And then he proposed to me. And the reason why it hit me so different is because I knew in that moment that he meant what he said, because he was also willing to say, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And in a better, more incredible way, when God says he shows or demonstrate his love for us, he's backing up the words love with an action. And the action was that God sent his only son, Jesus, for us, for undeserving sinners while we're still in our sin. And the motivation or the reason was because God did it out of love because he loves us. And so when he says love, we know that he means it because we see Christ's sacrifice on the cross. I really like this theologian, his name's Tim Keller, and he wrote a book, Meaning of Marriage, which I've been reading. And this is one of the quotes that I really love in it. And it says, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believed. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And that should cause our hearts to truly worship and be thankful for what Christ has done for unworthy sinners like you, like me. But I also don't want to assume that all of us have received the gospel in in this free way and worshiped him in this way for what Jesus has done. There's times when it's hard to receive freely, like we want to do it on our own. And there's times where it's hard to worship the Lord and we can become tempted to, to go back to those insufficient sacrifices that are trusting in ourselves and in the world. And at times we even worship with our lips, but our hearts are disconnected. They're far from him. But true worship comes from a belief that Jesus is enough and his sacrifice for us was enough for us. And so I want us to all take a moment to pause and to envision ourselves in this scenario that'll kind of play out for us. And so imagine yourself in this scenario. It's a pretend scenario, but just, you know, roll with me here. Um, So pretend that um, you had about $100 million in debt after you graduated graduated college. (laughs) It's a lot of debt. You spend a ton of money on your credit card. You had a car, you had a house, all this stuff. So so you're in over your head in debt and um, you tried your whole life, but you couldn't pay it off. But one day, a very generous man who you didn't even know, you'd never met him before. He came and paid your debt in full, paying the whole thing, every single cent. And he wiped your debt clean. Now, how would you respond to this man that you didn't even know? Would you feel guilty? Would you be thankful? Would you feel obligated to pay him back? Well, let's take it a step further and say that that same man not only wiped your debt clean, but then when he died, he wrote your name in his will and he gave you his entire inheritance, everything. He's a very rich man. So not only has he paid your $100 million of debt that you owed, but then he gave you his house, his inheritance forever. How would you feel now? Still guilty? Maybe thankful? Still a sense of obligation? 
wouldn't it be foolish to not receive this free gift? Wouldn't it seem kind of odd? Like, why wouldn't we? If this guy is willing to give it, why wouldn't we receive that? Yet, this is, this is resembling the gospel of what Jesus has done for us. He has paid our debt, and that debt being our sin. We can never pay the debt ourselves. We were in trouble, and we couldn't be rescued. So he came. He paid our debt when he died for us on the cross. He exchanged his life so that we could have eternal life. And not only that, but he has given us his righteousness, eternal life with him, a restored relationship with God, like we were in the Garden of Eden. But the best part is that he also rose from the dead. He rose to new life. And he did it for sinners who weren't deserving to be forgiven of that debt. And so wouldn't it be foolish again to not receive this free gift? Yet a lot of us feel so hesitant. We feel like we, we owe something. We, we need to work it. We need to earn it. And so what is our response? Is it to feel guilty? Is it to want to repay him? Or is it with worship? Is it with thankfulness in our hearts that we can never pay off the debt ourselves? We are undeserving of his forgiveness, yet he did it anyways. And I want to read a verse from Psalm 51 and 51 verse 15 and 16. It, it has this idea about sacrifice and it says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So truly the sacrifice that God delights and wants for us is our heart, our broken heart to recognize that we are completely, totally dependent upon God to forgive our sin. We don't have to come to him with everything figured out. We can come with our brokenness and God receives us as we are. And that is the good news of Jesus, that you don't need to keep going into the temple to slaughter animals and lambs because Jesus was a sacrificial lamb that was slaughtered for you. Jesus has come so that we would have life and have it abundantly. He has come and he has fulfilled the ultimate sacrifice. And he has come to give us full life in his death and to give us hearts that worship him and are thankful and receive freely his gift. So our response, and I'm inviting you guys, is to come to him. To come to him as we are, to receive his love, to receive his free gift and worship him, delight in him and live our lives for him. And so now um, I'm going to have some reflection questions that I'm going to have you guys work through for 10 minutes. But before we go into those, um, I would love to pray for us to close. So Father, um, your sacrifice is so much greater than any of the little insufficient sacrifices that we could trust in in this world or in ourselves, that we truly could not do it on our own. We truly were in over our head in our sin and separated from you. Yet in your love, you sent Jesus for us as that sacrifice so that we would be cleansed, that we would be restored to new life with you and we could be with you forever. And Lord, why would we not freely receive that gift? So Lord, I just pray that our hearts would remember you, remember your gospel, that it is truly better than anything else in this life. And we love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2020 Virtual Leadership Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please do not charge for, edit, or alter the message in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.